So I think this is our fourth session on the power of thanksgiving. And we're going to turn to our scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, which is our main text for this study. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say that all together. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's just turn the page over to 2 Corinthians 2, 14, and we find a uh, very similar scripture. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Let's read that one together. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Now we're establishing in this study that there is a connection between victory and thanksgiving. We may not understand uh, all of it, but we don't have to understand all of it to enjoy it or to uh, experience it. Uh, Brother Hagen used to say uh, when he was small, he could never figure out how a brown cow could eat green grass and produce white milk, you know. But that didn't stop him from enjoying milk, you know. So you don't have to understand how it all works and how it all happens to enjoy it. So we don't have to wait till we understand uh, all there is to know about Thanksgiving to, to do it or to enjoy it. But we're, we're going to understand more than what we've understood in the past. So that's what we're uh, endeavoring to do. We've talked about cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving, and this is not just something uh, we do in church. Uh, you know, we actually spend more time outside church than we do in church. So um, uh, this includes home, supermarket, work, church, uh, everywhere. Uh, we talked about how the word cultivate uh, implies that this is not something automatic and it's not all up to God, that uh, we have to initiate this. And in, in many uh, circumstances, we may just have to do it by faith. You know, we can't just rely on our feelings to always just feel like uh, giving thanks to God. Uh, obviously, we've talked about how uh, when, when we receive an answer to prayer and we receive, uh, you know, what we've been believing for and, and what we've asked for, like, uh, you know, Frank and Barbara have shared with us about their van and how, the, you know, we prayed and the Lord worked all this out supernaturally, really, uh, exactly like they asked for. Uh, obviously, we give thanks to God for something that's already happened. And, and when it does happen, we give thanks to God then. But in this study, we're beginning to expand our revelation on the power uh, and the importance of giving thanks before we experience it, before we see it, before we feel it, you know. Uh, and so we're looking at the power in that because that is an area of thanksgiving that has not really ever been preached on that I've heard of. Uh, that, that's just an area of thanksgiving that, that hasn't really been tapped. And so uh, we're expanding our revelation on, uh, uh, you know, saying uh, thank you, Lord, in advance before we see anything. Uh, anybody can say thank you, Lord, after something's happened, and we should. And we will continue to do so. But we want to begin to uh, recognize 
the power and importance of giving thanks before uh, we actually receive what we've asked for. And that requires faith. Everybody say, I always win. I always win. Amen. Now, you don't hear too many sermons on that in church, do you? <laughs> You won't, you won't hear that preached in many churches around the world. Most of the time, you, what you'll hear is uh, something like, you know, you're probably going to lose, so don't get your hopes up, you know. Uh, but be strong in losing because Jesus will be with you, you know, and, and God will get the glory for you losing. You know, that's... That, now, they may not use the exact words that I just used, but in some form or fashion, that's the message many churches around the world are putting across. Uh, you know, and, and when somebody does say, uh, you know, well, he always causes me to triumph, and, and I don't care what the situa situation looks like, we're going to get the victory and we're going to win. And, you know, and, and somebody will try to pour cold water, you know, on your, your victory. And they'll say, well, you know, this, he, he always causes us to triumph. That's just spiritual. You know, that's just spiritual. You know, you may be losing on the outside, but you're winning on the inside. You know, no, that's not what, you know, Paul did not make any exceptions here or stipulations. You know, this is practical, everyday, Christian, victorious living. Amen? So, 1 Corinthians 15:57, uh, where it says he gives us uh, the victory. Uh, Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. That's present and continual. He didn't say who has given us the victory, he says, who gives us the victory. Now that's right now and continual. And in 2 Corinthians 2.14, he says, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. He didn't say who has caused us to triumph. I mean, praise God, he has caused us to triumph. But in this scripture, he says, who always causes. Now that's uh, future. That's now and it's future. So I, I don't care if you read this 50 years from now, it's going to say, thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph. You know, that's right now. I don't care what year you read it in, it's right now. It's, it's, it's now and it's future. So whatever you don't have yet that you need, that you would like to have, don't keep asking God for it over and over and over. Don't keep begging God to do it. Everybody say, stop struggling. Stop struggling. Okay. <laughs> we sow our seed. We sow our seed. We ask and we believe we receive when we ask. Okay? Now, when I say sow a seed, you know, Jerry Savelle has a saying, uh, if you have a need, sow a seed, you know. And he says, he preached a whole sermon on being seed-minded and not need-minded. So he says, when you have a need, God's going to talk to you about a seed, okay? Now that, it could be an offering seed, it could be a money seed, it might not be. It might be, <clears throat> go mow your neighbor's yard, <laughs> you know, or go, go, take your, go take your elderly uh, neighbor shopping or something. But I'm going to sow this seed. You're not trying to buy something off God, but you're saying, I have a need here, and I want to sow a seed toward this need being met. So it could involve money. It might not involve money. But this is where we just are, are led by God in this particular situation. Lord, I want to sow a seed toward this need. Just direct me, you know. Yes, it could mean going to visit the sick. 
hands yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially if you need healing yourself. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, because the Bible says pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, so uh, that's a good seed to sow. If, if, if you're believing for healing, going and praying for somebody else, that's a good seed to sow. So we sow our seed. We ask. We believe. We receive when we ask. And after that, we don't keep asking, and we don't keep begging, and we stop trying to get it. We believe that it's granted to us. That's what Jesus said. Believe that it's granted to you, and begin to say, thank you, Lord, it's granted to me. We, at this point, we begin to thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, my band's repent. Repaired. Thank you, Lord. It's not going to cost us a thousand pounds. Thank you, Lord, for giving us favor. Thank you, Lord, for directing us to the right people. All, you know, just this whole thank you, Lord, in advance. So we're expanding our revelation on giving thanks to God before we see uh, and experience it in the natural. This is how faith people do it. Amen? This is what you do when you walk by faith. When you walk by sight, we can only give thanks for what we already know has happened. When you walk by sight, you can only give thanks for what you already see and know has already happened. But when you walk by faith, you go ahead and you thank God in advance for healing. And you thank God in advance that you got the money to pay all your bills, whatever the situation is. You thank God for healing your body even though you might even be in pain at the moment. But this is the way faith people operate. When, uh, you know, someone, uh, you know, people out in the world or even, you know, Christians that don't, know about walking and living by faith, they lose their job, they lose their uh, channel of income, you know, they stomp out the door cursing on the way out, you know, my so-and-so employer and all this. Faith people walk out the door, thank you Lord for my new and better job, amen. Thank you, Lord, for my new... If this, if this job's finished, even if they let me go unfairly. Thank you, Lord. You got a better one for me. That's the way faith people respond. They don't stomp out the office cursing. They, they, they say, thank you, Lord. I have been released from here, and you got something better for me. Now just direct me. Direct me to it. Show me where it is. Amen? In my case, it's thank you, my cousin. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. So, because of this, you cannot, you cannot defeat a faith person. The devil just cannot defeat somebody when they, when they uh, refuse, you know, to look at anything else. And they, and they refuse to respond any other way except the faith way. The devil's not big enough. People, there, there's no person in any position you know, so unjust and so mean, you know, that can, that can uh, keep you down or put you down. You know, if they let you go, praise God, you got something better for me. Amen? So no matter what happens, we just keep thanking God until we experience the victory. So how many faith Christians do we have here today? Amen. Hallelujah. We're getting stronger and we're learning more about how to walk in the God kind of faith. And the God kind of faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen? Now let's look over at Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God 
and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things. This means for all manner of things and all areas of things. Again, this is not talking about thanking, thank you, Lord, I was in that car wreck because if I hadn't have been in that car wreck, I wouldn't have been in the hospital. And if I wouldn't have been in the hospital, they wouldn't have visited me and I wouldn't have got saved, okay? That's not what we're... <laughs> That's not we're what we're talking about. That's not thanking God for uh, tests and trials and, and uh, hardships and these kind of things. This is talking about thanking God in all manner of things and all areas of things. So if we're doing this verse, when would we be thanking God? Always. Amen? Monday morning. Monday morning, we're thanking God. Monday afternoon, we're thanking God. Monday evening, we're thanking God. Amen? Amen? Cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. So this, this, you can see how this agrees with what we're talking about, cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. This supports that. Now, turn on over a few pages to 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians five. First Thessalonians five eighteen. In everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We just found the will of God for every single one of us. Amen. People say, I want to know what the will of God is for me. We just found it. Amen. In everything, give thanks. Now, what does in everything mean? All time. In the church seat, give thanks. In the car going home, give thanks. In the kitchen, give thanks. In your pajamas, give thanks. In the garden, give thanks. In the good times, give thanks. And in the hard times, give thanks that he's bringing us out. Amen? That's what it means in everything. We're not giving thanks for the hard times, but we're giving thanks for the victory. And the hard times will have to change and get lined up with the word. Amen? This is, this is thanking the Lord in advance for bringing us out of the hard times. Amen? And for giving us the victory. It's interesting it says in and not for. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if it said for, mm -hmm. it would be, we'd have to give thanks mm -hmm, for things. Mm -hmm, which we mm -hmm. don't yeah. It doesn't say for, it says in. And, and so that's, it covers all these areas. In the house, in the church, in the car, in the kitchen, in everything. Give thanks. This is cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And this means that we initiate it. We have to put some effort into it. You know, when you cultivate something, you got to get the hoe in the spade and the shovel or something out, you know, to, to put some effort into cultivating uh, the ground. So we, we have to remind ourselves and make our mouth give thanks in everything. So this is also consistent with an agreement with these scriptures that we're looking at. Now turn on over a few pages to Hebrews 13.5 No, 13.15, sorry. Hebrews 13.15 <clears throat> By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise 
to God continually. How often? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, in my Bible, I have this center reference that runs down the middle. And the what has been translated, giving thanks, actually says confessing to. It says the original Greek is actually confessing to. And that, that's been translated is giving thanks. Now, this word uh, translated confessing to, or in the King James, giving thanks, is the same word that's translated in the King James, confession. Uh, you know, uh, confessing, con referring to confessing the word, you know, um, and it's the word, uh, and it's also profession, uh, it's also translated profession in Hebrews, let us hold fast the profession of our faith, it's the same, same word, uh, and this this portion of the word means the same. Homo means the same. You just kind of divide this word. And this logio means to speak. So it means to speak the same thing. And that's, that's what we're doing. And that's why we're so big on confessing the word and speaking the word out loud because we're saying the same thing God's saying and not something else because if you're not confessing the word you're confessing something else and if you're not in agreement with God he can't perform it but when you're speaking the same thing God says that's what he performs so now he's got you in agreement with him and you've licensed God to bring it to pass. So this, uh, the same word, to speak the same thing, uh, is translated giving thanks. Now, um, the New Revised Standard Version says, the fruit of lips that confess his name. So they've actually translated it confess. What was the verse again, please? Uh, Hebrews 13, 15. They've actually translated it, the fruit of lips that confess his name. The King James uses giving thanks, uh, but it's the same word as confessing to or speaking the same thing. Now, another Greek word used in the Bible to, to denote thankful, thanksgiving or gratitude is um, you will recognize it Eucharistio and this is where we get our English word Eucharist which is the Lord's Supper uh, or Holy Communion and it means to give thanks or to return thanks. I like that. To return thanks. That's what we're doing when we receive the Lord's Supper. We're, we're for one thing, we're returning thanks. And it comes from uh, this word, Eucharist, which means thankful or thanksgiving or grateful. So when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're primarily doing two things. We're acknowledging and we are remembering. We're acknowledging what Jesus did for us and we're remembering it. You can't be thankful without acknowledging something. If, if uh, you know, if 
Rosemary, you know, gives me a gift or something, if I'm thankful, I'm going to acknowledge it, aren't I? You know, that's just part of, uh, you know, if you're truly thankful, you're going to acknowledge it and you're going to speak it. You know, I'm not going to say, well, I don't have to say thank you to Rosemary because she knows in my heart I'm thankful, you know. But we do that to God all the time, don't we? You know, people, you know, Christians say, well, I'm just not a person to express, you know, I'm very reserved and I just don't express myself. But God knows my heart and he knows I'm thankful. Well, I, especially denominational people tend to be that way, don't they? I mean, when I was a denominational person, I was really that way. Well, I'm not, you know, if people want to, in these other churches, if they want to raise their hand, it's okay, but I'm thankful in my heart. And denominational people tend to be like that, aren't they? Because, for one thing, they're not spirit-filled, and that changes everything, <laughs> you know. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that changes everything. And until I was spirit-filled, I was just like all these other people. Well, you know, I just thought it, it was strange. We, we had a lady, an older lady in our church. She came sometimes. And I tell you, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have to look that lady up, and I'm going to have to apologize to her because we all thought she was crazy. And my brother and sisters, we all just looked, looked at each other and tried to keep a straight face, you know, because, I mean, she was a joyful lady, you know. I mean, she was the most spiritual lady in that place, and she had the joy of the Lord, you know, and we just all thought she was a little bit, you know. But I tell you what, she was... She was, we were the weird ones. We were the weird ones. She had the joy of the Lord and we were just pickled in religion, you know. But, um, so the two main components of thanksgiving is to be grateful and to acknowledge it by speaking. And all, you know, and you can even go, you know, in the natural, if you're thankful for something, you acknowledge it by speaking it. Uh, and even perhaps in writing, you know, uh, these days people tend to do emails, you know, but, but when I was growing up, my mother was big on writing thank you notes to people. And uh, she just instilled that in us because she was a real kind of etiquette person anyway because it's the right thing to do and that's just the way I was brought up. These days we tend to do emails but um, I, I try to acknowledge I can't say I'm always perfect at it and that I don't you know I don't slip up sometimes but I, I do try to acknowledge uh, you know gifts and things um, in writing as well. Uh, like I said, I, I, I'm not perfect at it, but, but I can tell you I was brought up that, that way. And my sister is still real big. She's still real big with her kids about it. And I, if I get a thank you note from my nieces and nephews, I know my sister has been on them for months <laughs> till they finally did it, you know. And it, it you know, you do appreciate it. So, it. so if you are thankful, you are going to acknowledge would so, you, would you read the verse from your Bible, please? He, Hebrews 13, 15. 15 yeah. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I've got the New King James. It's very similar. Okay. What does it say? It says, for we, uh, sorry, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Mm -hmm. that's, that's good. It that's good. Con contains everything that you just said. Uh -huh. yeah. mm -hmm. Praise God. So, uh, you can't be thankful for something that you've forgotten about, can you? You know? So that's why, that's, that's a major reason why we receive the Lord's Supper on a regular basis. So we don't forget. We don't forget. 
we acknowledge him and we don't forget it. Now, you know, you, I, I understand in some cases uh, it's just become a, re, a, re, a religious thing, you know, for some people to, to do. And some churches even allow people who are not even born again to, to walk in off the street and take communion and things like that. But we're talking about, we're just talking about what the Bible says. What, what other churches do or whatever, that's, that's up to them. I'm not kind of judging them or condemning them or, or whatever. But, um, uh, you know, it, it should be, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's only meant for born-again believers. So, uh, because we're grateful, you know, we're, we're grateful and we're not forgetting. And, and, uh, and it's meant to be for us. So, you acknowledge it, you are grateful for it, and you confess it and express it. That's why when we receive communion, there are words that we say. There are words, I mean, I know different churches have their own, somehow they write their own liturgies and things, you know, and some of them confess things that I w are totally unscriptural and I, you won't catch me saying some of the things that some people say when they take communion. It's not scriptural. But uh, the principle, the principle is there, is that there are some things we're supposed to say when we receive communion. And, you know, Paul told us over here in, what, 1 Corinthians 10 or 11 about, you know, when we receive communion, we're to examine our hearts, and there are certain things that we're supposed to say and we're supposed to remember. So it's, it shouldn't be a sad time. It's supposed to be a glad time. We're remembering what Jesus did for us, and we're acknowledging it, and we're saying, we're saying, uh, you know, thank you, Lord. We were sinners, and you brought us out, and now we're cleansed, and we've been made righteous. And uh, so there are things that we say when we receive communion, scriptural things. So when you're thankful, you can't just be thankful in your heart. Okay, there's some. You, you acknowledge it and you express it by speaking it. That's what, that's what this is, uh, we're driving at. We don't just feel thankful, <clears throat> we say thankful. That's why I said, you know, if Rosemary gave me a gift, I wouldn't say, well, I don't really need to thank Rosemary because she knows I'm thankful in my heart. You know, that wouldn't really be appropriate. So, uh, we express it, and then we don't forget it. Psalm 103, verse 2, you, that's familiar to you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen? Forget not all his benefits. So this ties in with how we can be thankful all the time. Because if we're continually remembering all his benefits and we're continually always giving thanks in all manner of things, in everything, you can see how this would take up a lot of your day, wouldn't it? You know, this is definitely cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. If you're continually remembering and thanking the Lord for all of his benefits just throughout the day. You know, thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, I have a healthy body. Thank you, Lord, I have a beautiful house. Thank you, Lord, I got a good, reliable car. Thank you, Lord, my kids are not on drugs. Thank you, Lord, you know what I mean? Just praise God. Uh, this, this is forgetting not all his benefits. Not forgetting all his benefits. So... So we have so many benefits, and he's done so much for us, and, and, and in everything, we're thanking God. It doesn't take long to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. So, here in uh, Hebrews 13, 15, it says continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. Now, 
if we're not remembering all his benefits and thanking God, then we're spending our time doing something else, aren't we? <laughs> and we've already talked about some of these things in other sessions. We've talked about how there's really not a, a neutral place between being thankful and being unthankful. So when we're not thankful, something is going to fill that void. And it's probably not going to be something good. If being thankful is remembering and being grateful and expressing it to God, then what is unthankful? It would be just the opposite, wouldn't it? Not grateful, not acknowledging what God has done, and forgetting. Forgetting what he's done. And complaining. That was my next. <laughs> yeah, that's what it leads to. That's what it leads to. Yeah, the next thing that's going to happen, we're going to be complaining. So write this down. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Faith rejoices, give thanks, and is glad. Faith rejoices, give thanks before we see anything, before we feel anything, before anything outward is changed, and is glad. Doubt is depressed, not happy, and not smiling. Doubt is not remembering all God has done for you. And this is one reason why the enemy works so hard at getting you to forget all that God has done for you. Because when you begin to recall all of his benefits and all he's done for you and all the times he came through when you had to have this and you had to have it by a certain time and, and all these situations, all the times he came through, that inspires your faith and that is what the devil does not want to happen. That's why he works so hard at getting you to forget and start complaining at this, about the situation. But you spend a few minutes remembering all that God's done for you and automatically your faith will be elevated. I didn't do it this year, and I don't do it every year, but I probably should make it a faith goal. But I have, at times, spent New Year's Eve just sitting down and making a list of all God did for me that year. Every, every need that was met, every prayer that was answered, even things I didn't even ask for or pray about, just good things that happened to me. He, you know, this happened and, and unexpected good things, you know, that I didn't even ask for. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, that's a great way to spend a New Year's Eve instead of going out and like the world does and trying to drown their sorrows because I've got another rotten year to look forward to, you know. We can... We can praise God for all, and we can sit there and, and rejoice over our list, not forgetting all the benefits he gave us this year and all the wonderful things he did for us. That's a great way to spend an evening. You don't have to wait till New Year's Eve to do it, you know, but that's a good time to, to reflect uh, on the previous year. So when you start recalling all the times God came through for you, what, what are you, that's going to inspire your faith and you're going to say, you know what? He'll do it again. He'll, he's going to do it this time too. He, he, you know, devil, you remember when he did that? You remember when God came, you remember when you told me I'd never get that and God did it? 
just start re just start recalling to the devil. You know, you told me, you know, I wouldn't get this. I got it. You told me, you know, I wouldn't get healed. I'm healed. You told me I wouldn't be able to pay that bill. It got paid. You know, whatever. Whatever the situation. You begin to recall to the devil. And I mean, he will get out in a hurry because he doesn't want to listen to your testimonies. He doesn't want to be reminded. He doesn't want you thinking about all the times God came through for you. He wants you thinking about how bad this situation is. And, you know, you're probably going to lose this time. You know, that's what he wants you thinking about. The devil will help you get sad by helping you forget all the times that God came through for you. And if you begin to forget about all God's done for you, you get sad, and you get depressed, and you get into doubt, and, and you start feeling sorry for yourself, and the devil, would, you just yield to the devil, and he comes in, and, he, and, and the devil will say, I tell you, you missed it so many times, why do you possibly think God's going to help you? I mean, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you missed it here, you missed it there. And if you start agreeing with him and say, yeah, yeah, I know, I, I, I've goofed up the last 50 times, you know, and he's going to say, no, it wasn't 50, it was actually 75, you know, it was actually worse than that, you know, and you say, oh, yeah, I guess it was 75. And before you know it, you, he's helping you beat yourself up, and your self-confidence goes, your self-esteem goes, and your faith goes down the drain and that's that's what he wants to happen but but if that's what happens uh, you know when you forget what God's done for you then what what do you think happens when you remember and acknowledge and thank God for what he's done for you and for what he's going to do for you that you haven't even seen yet who does that open the door to the greater one that opens the door to the Holy Spirit to come in. And what did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do? He will bring all things to your remembrance. Lead and guide you into all truth and show you things to come. That's what can happen when you're thankful and you're grateful and you remember all his benefits but not while you are complaining and this is why the devil works so hard at it now let's turn to Luke 11 Luke 11 well, look at what Jesus said Luke eleven thirty four. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thy eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. Jesus said, If your eye be single, what's he talking about here? You can't be in faith trying to look at two contradictory things at the same time. Now, one of the meanings of the word doubt is double or duo. If you look it up in the Concordance or Vines Expository Dictionary of New Testament words or one of the lexicons uh, or something like that. It actually means double standing. Doubt means double standing. And you remember what James said? A double-minded man, a duo man, a doubt man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? 
because he's trying to look at two contradictory things at the same time and he can't be in faith when he's looking at two contradictory things at the same time. But Jesus said, if your eye is single and you are focused on the word of promise and you're looking at the truth of God's word, remembering all of your benefits and you're grateful and you're thanking God, your whole body is full of light. That's why faith rejoices and is glad. Faith rejoices, is thankful and glad because your whole body, your whole being is flooded with light. What does the word say over in Psalms? The entrance of thy word giveth light. So that's why we look, we look at the word. Where we have to be single-eyed on the word. Psalm 112 says about uh, the righteous man. Uh, it says, his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. He will have no fear of evil tidings. Now that's somebody who's single, got a single eye. He's not looking at these evil tidings over here. He's, he's single-minded on the word. He's not trying to believe the word one day, but then, you know, over here, you know, the devil, the devil wants to say, hey, Hey, look over here. Look over here. Forget that. Forget the Bible. That's just for church. You got to get real. You got to get reality. You heard what the doctor said. How long did he say you have to live? How, how, how much money did the bank say you had to come up with by the end of the month? That's what he wants you focusing on. Duo. Duo mind. Doubt. You become unstable and you begin to waver and then you, you begin to complain and be ungrateful and this is what this is what he he wants you to forget about all the times God came through but if your eye is single Jesus said your whole body will be full of light if it's single on the truth if it's single on what God said and you're saying, no devil, get out of here. I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking at what the bank said. I'm not looking at what the doctor said. I'm looking at this right here. I'm look this is what I'm looking at. My eye is single on this. But Jesus went on to say, if your eye, you know, if, if your eye is, uh, If your eye is single, focused on what you don't have, and forgetting about all the blessings of God and complaining, your whole being is flooded with darkness. That's what he said. If thy whole body therefore be... Um, sorry, I didn't finish verse 34. That's what he said in the end of 34. But when thine eye is evil, or duo, Trying, trying to look at two contradictory things at the same time. You're, you're, you know, you get to being unthankful. You forget all his benefits. You become ungrateful. You yield to the devil. And the devil will come in and flood your whole being with darkness. And we saw that happen with Ahab, didn't we? And, and Hannah, they got, they got focused. Both of them got unfortunately, single-eyed on the one thing they did not have. Instead of being single-eyed, having a single eye on all the good that God had done for them and remembering all the, the benefits God had done for them, the good life they had, Hannah had a good life. Ahab was the king. I mean, this man had everything. He he had an army of people who waited on him hand and foot. He had not tied his shoes in 25 years. He ate off the best 
China, the best food, the best chariots and horses, the, the finest clothes and jewelry, and all of that meant nothing to him. He got his, his eye focused off all of the, the, the goodness of God to him and focused on the one thing he did not have, and I mean, it flooded his whole being with darkness, and an innocent man died as a result of it. I mean, darkness moved in that bedroom. He came in there, and he, after, uh, after uh, Naboth said, no, I, I can't sell you my vineyard. And I mean, he went into a pity party, and he threw himself on the bed, and I mean, Jezebel came in, and she fed his pity, and, and, uh, and this whole evil uh, conspiracy to murder Naboth took place, and, and an innocent man died as a result of it. And, and Hannah had a good life. She had a good husband. She was a believer. She had the Lord. They had a nice home. They went out to nice restaurants. You know, she, she uh, you know, had good standing with the Lord and in the church and everything. But I mean, she got her eye on the one thing she did not have, which was a baby. And she became almost suicidal. She, she thought she, she no longer, she didn't even want to live anymore. I mean, you want to talk about darkness moving in. And this is what happens, you know, when people get suicidal. I mean, their whole being is flooded with darkness. They, they're hopeless. They can't see any hope, you know. They're, they're so flooded with, with darkness, and you can't see the answer by looking at the problem. That's, that's another way of saying what Jesus is saying here about your eye being single. You, you can't see the answer by looking at the problem and talking about the problem and thinking about the problem. Now, in uh, Matthew's account of this uh, you know, about the eye being single here. Matthew also has an account of this. And Jesus went on to say in this account, you cannot serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24. You have to choose what you're going to look at and what you're going to believe, and you have to choose what you're going to ignore. Now, you're not denying that it's there, it's real, it's around you, it's happening. But you don't have to look at it. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't look, you can't look at two things and be in faith. So you have to choose what you're going to look at and what you're going to believe. And when faith chooses a truth, it ignores the other. Okay, this is what the doctor said, but this is what the Word says. This is what the bank says, but this is what the Word says. This is what the car dealership says, but this is what the Word says. The Word says that if two on earth agree as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now that's, in, in the, you know, you don't look at anything else. Amen? So, um, it is possible to be surrounded by outward circumstances that are contrary to the word. You're, you're hearing it, you're feeling it, but you're not looking at it. And you're still being thankful to God for, for all his goodness and his benefits and his faithfulness. Now, if it's possible to be surrounded by you know, in a bad situation, but still be thankful and still be grateful and, and, and remembering God's faithfulness to you and all the times he's come through for you. If it's possible to do that, it's also possible to go the other way. I don't care how good things are, and I don't care how wonderful it is, you can, fo you can find something wrong, <laughs> you know? And that's what, that's what Hannah and Ahab did. They, I mean, they had, they had it good. They had, they were surrounded by good, good circumstances, but they focused on one wrong thing. So even, no matter how good things were, they couldn't see it. They were totally blinded to it. 
and they became fixated on the, the one thing they did not have. They both got their eyes single on what they did not have, and they decided that they could not live without it. Darkness and despair engulfed them, just like Jesus said, and they brought it on themselves by being unthankful and by looking at the wrong thing. Now back to Luke 11:34. Therefore, when thy eye is single, when your eye is single and you're looking at the right thing and that's all you allow yourself to see, Jesus said, your whole body is full of light. Everything looks good to you. You're aware that this stuff's going on around you. You may feel it. You may hear it. But you're looking at the good. You're looking at what God's done for you. He's, he's done it before. He'll do it again. And we're thanking him in advance for doing it again. And that can't help but lift, lift your spirits and keep you in faith. Uh, and that's one of the reasons, I believe, why the Bible is so full of praise and thanking God. It's for our benefit. It's, I mean, I'm sure God enjoys it, you know. I, I'm sure God, because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. I'm, I know that's what God wants to hear, and I know he doesn't want to hear complaining and, and, and being unthankful and, and that kind of thing. But really... We're the ones that really benefit from it because it helps us to, to keep looking at the right thing and to stay in faith. It's really for our benefit. When, with all the Bible talks about praising and thanking God. Now, there are probably Christians that think it's impossible to live this way and, and to live in a continual state of just being thankful to God and not ever... Uh, you know, uh, you know, just in, enjoying uh, victory in every situation. They they probably think this is just fairy tale land, you know, uh, and that that it's not possible to live this way outside of heaven. But if it's not, why are we here? I mean, if it's not possible, when we got saved, why didn't God just take us out of here? You know what I mean? Why didn't we just all go directly to heaven? No, he, he wants a people down here on the earth that can live this way. He needs us down here because we got a job to do. Amen? He needs us down here and we've got a job to do. And if it wasn't possible, why have the Bible? Why have authority on the earth? And why have the Holy Spirit? You know, why did Jesus and Paul say what they said if it's not possible. So, uh, you know, you look, you look at, uh, you know, some Christians and you think, uh, you know, I mean, you know, you, you look at Brother Copeland and people like that and, and you, you would think by looking at them, they never have a problem. You know what I, you know what I mean? Uh, a lot of these uh, you know, people we admire and we've learned from and, and have helped us. Uh, just to look at them, you would think they never have a problem. We, we, don't, we, just, we don't know the half of it. You know, we, we just see where they are today. We don't see what they went through to get where they are today. And we don't see and hear about things behind, you know, because we don't need to. And they don't, they don't, you also notice they mostly only share their victories. They don't talk about, if they've had defeat, they don't talk about it. Why? That's not going to help us. Why do I want to hear, you know, uh, that God didn't answer one of their prayers? Is that going to inspire my faith? No. You know, they, they've had setbacks, but they don't talk about their setbacks. You know, so... Um, it, it wouldn't benefit us. So, uh, you know, and then you see other Christians. I mean, it just looks like they never get a break. You know what I mean? They're just kind of constantly, uh, 
go from one battle to another or one crisis to another or something. But the truth is, Peter said, the same afflictions are happening to our brethren throughout the world. And, and Paul said over in 1 Corinthians 10, you know, there is no temptation, test, or trial taken you, but such is common to man. That means the devil cannot pull out some secret weapon and use it on you that he has never used on anybody else before. He can't say, he can't open his little bag and say, aha, I got something here for you that I never used on anybody. You're going to be the first person in human civilization that ever had to deal with this. He cannot do it. He cannot do it. He's, he's only got one bag. There's no temptation, test, or trial taking you, but such is common to man. This means everybody is dealing with the same stuff. That's a, that's a way to put it in plain English. Everybody, the truth is, everybody in the world, all the Christians are dealing with the same stuff. And one of the devil's lies, when you're going through a test and trial, is to make you think you're the only person in the world that's in this situation right now, and you're the only person in the world going through this. And you're the only person in the world believing God, you know. I mean, okay. Maybe you got arthritis, but nobody's got it as bad as you got it. You know what I mean? You know, you know the doctor said he's never seen anybody with a worse case than what you have. You know, that's what the devil tries to make you think. You know, you know. Okay, there may be a lot of people in debt, but nobody owes more money than you do to more people. You know. And, he, and his stuff just gets bigger and bigger in your mind and the mountain gets bigger and bigger and bigger and God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's one of the, his tricks is, is to make you think that. But the truth is, we're all going, we're all dealing with the same thing. The difference is, some people choose to focus on the problem and talk about it and complain about it and it gets darker and darker and darker and others choose to look at the word and say what God says and keep their eye on God and give thanks and ignore the problem and God brings them out of it. That's the difference. It, it, it's what you do in the test and trial that determines how you're going to come out of it. Both groups are going through the same things and have the same opportunities to choose life and to choose thanksgiving. Now, here in Luke 11, 34, 36, Jesus is saying, it matters what you allow yourself to look at. Now, when he talks about your eye and, and looking at something, he used the eye, you know, as an example because you use your eye to look with. Uh, when he talks about looking at something, it not only means physically looking at something, but mentally looking at something. You can look at something up here, can't you? You may not be physically seeing it, but you're mentally seeing it. You mentally see yourself going down the drain, or you mentally see yourself you know, sick, or you mentally see yourself losing, or you mentally see yourself not coming through, or, or God, the devil will mentally make you think God's not going to come through this time. That's what he wants you to mentally look at. So we're not, when Jesus is talking about it matters what you look at, not only what you allow your physical eyes to look at, but what you mentally look at. Life or death, sorrow or joy, victory or defeat. Thanking God before you experience the victory is how you get in faith and stay in faith. And this is how you tune out all the things that are trying to bring you down. This is how you keep your eyes single and stay focused 
on God. Uh, we won't turn there, but just write down 2 Corinthians 4.18. You're familiar with that. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen. How do you look at things? Uh, it says, but we look at things which are not seen. How do you look at things that are not seen? By faith. you got to look. You may not see the victory yet, but that's what you got to look at. That's not seen, but by faith, you're looking at, at the word that gives us the victory. He always causes us to triumph. That's what we're, that's, that's looking is what, at what is not seen. Because it says, for the things that are seen are temporary. They're changeable. If you can, you know, if you can see this bad situation 